What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Melodic, and you're listening to STP Radio. Nothing you hear on this show is financial advice. Twitter spaces are so irrelevant in 2023 that the major labels are not scanning them for IP infringements. We're out here playing anything we want without the copyrights with no repercussions. So you'll have to see that. I'll be curious to see down the road in the future what happens because I've noticed like like major shows like the Nifty Morning Show, they're playing all kinds of different music and I'm sure they don't have the copyrights to it. And I wonder if there could be potential for some backlash in the future. So anyway, Flourish, the co-host, my guy, are you like at school? Are you home? Like, what are you saying? It is my off day, so I'm chilling at home. Wednesday, yeah, Yeah, baby. Okay, Flourish is in the house. God damn, it feels good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, my God. We got Bella with the homies. So here's the thing. So my Twitter blew still six days, still under a short grace period. And what happens is you get pushed to the back of the bus when it comes to the algorithm for spaces. So when people scroll at the very top, I probably don't show up. And if I do, I'm at the back, unless you're someone that engages with my stuff fairly often. So it's, I've noticed my actual content has been fine and actually they received a bit of a boost. Maybe it just, it was, it was a timing with the tweets, but my, the spaces have been brutal. Uh, Wait, what, what does that mean? Or how does the, the algorithm for spaces even work? Well, that also, do you know, do you also know how people, cause I just, you know, I just hear people say this or see it, um, on my feet sometimes where they're like, there's so many spaces that are botted. But is that very similar to how people would buy likes and, and, and stuff on their post and then or, or views? Yeah, so there's a lot of botted spaces. It's so obvious to see too. Like you go to the you go to the people who are hosting and they're they get fifteen likes max, but then they their spaces have four or five hundred and like even up to like ten thousand listeners. Like it's actually insane. So there's a bunch of websites you can go to. Um, some people have sent me them, they're like, bro, you should do this and I'm like, Oh my god people like man it's so it's actually like painful being on twitter sometimes just because like it's just like so much painful behavior everywhere you go so anyway basically you pay and it's There's cheap. so much cringy shit going it's on so cringy. <laughs> That's, it's so cringy it's cringy like like the, like people are so impatient but anyway uh you can go to these different websites you pay like 50 bucks and you literally get 400 listeners sorry four thousand listeners like it's not it's, it's i mean if you do it every day it's going to be expensive but yeah, no, a lot of people are utilizing that. And as far as I understand, like the algorithm on Twitter, I mean, who knows? I would be surprised if Twitter understands their algorithm at this point, if I'm being pretty honest. Um, but what from I've gathered, based on what people have told me, and I can only say that I partially believe it because I've noticed a difference, is when you have the verified checkmark, like if you make a comment, you're more likely to get sent to the top of the reply list. So like you'll get more engagement that way. And in, a, in alignment with that is when you host a space, you're more likely to show up on that top scroll bar. So if you're not verified, your comments are less likely to be seen and your space is less likely to get featured on that top bar is kind of how I understand it. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like for me, I don't really, I don't really know if a space is bought it, but I do see some that have like thousands in there. 
And it's like, I don't have time to go click through all these profiles, nor do I really want to. But it is kind of funny that, like, I'm just, like, curious what the botted profiles even look like. Or maybe sometimes it's just, like, a number and, like, there isn't an actual profile in the room, you know? Like, the little the little people in there. So, you know, before I was on this brand and brand, like, building my brand and doing all these things, I, I launched... I was a part of the cringe at one point in my life, not too long ago. And then I had an epiphany and enlightenment reborn and I switched things up. And when I was launching my project, I was definitely doing all the same cringy stuff. And the result was as you would expect, it sold out quick volume, but then boom, plummeted. And um, so the reason I bring that up is you, when you on on these websites, you can actually like, they cater to crypto and NFT people because they know how cringy we are and they know how much money we have and we'll pay for all this stuff. So they've actually set up thousands, thousands and thousands. And like they call it like, it's an extra feature. It's, it's, it's an add-on actually to make the NFT accounts look real. So they just go out and they, they scrape OpenSea, I would assume for JPEGs and they attach them to all these profiles and they give them cute little bios but if you click on any of their accounts so they look like real people but they don't tweet they just retweet and they don't have many followers so it looks real but the safe assumption is like if a room has more in crypto twitter or nft twitter if a room is about a crypto topic and it has more than a thousand people in it it's probably botted unless it's yuga related that's like the one exception it's a flourish yeah, I actually was like, while you were saying this, looking at a website to make a joke that I just bought a batch of people, and it literally goes right to Twitter NFT services. It's literally called Twitter NFT services, not just Twitter services. So it, there's a Twitter NFT auto engagement package, Twitter NFT followers, Twitter NFT likes, Twitter NFT retweets, comments, and collabs. So their their whole Twitter thing is catered to uh, to NFT people, which is very interesting and sad that's so funny i just bought a batch of people <laughs> i ordered like a like a 12 pack so they should be arriving in like five minutes right so this is like the this is like where we call home so i don't know it is what it is um like mario is probably the most notable botter he started his whole space bots he still bots it wait his is still botted now oh my god yes a hundred percent this is the bot king because the thing is, why would he stop? It's working and people know it. So it's kind of like, wait, which one is botted? I'm just curious to see yeah, what it looks like. So I, just so I'm aware, you know, if you go, I don't know. Like his name's Mario. He has like 10,000 people in his room oh, at any yeah, given Mario. time. Mario. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, thousands and thousands of people. I'm sure like if he didn't bot, he would still have a good audience at this point. I'm sure he's built some loyalty. So like, but it's like, hey, like it worked for him. I mean, it's just not how I want to grow my brand. But I mean, this man has had on a lot of big names. So there's something to be said for sure. I feel like he could stop now, though, just because I feel like that was what he did to get big. I Like like you said, if he stopped doing it, I feel like he would still get a decent turnout because of how I mean, I've only been in a few of his spaces, but like, I don't know how how heavily you can even bot because I don't know. What does he normally get? Like he gets like tens. He is, I mean, the thing is as well, like I haven't actually inquired into his spaces lately. So I don't know. I, the one thing I will say in his defense, I guess, is he's really, he's basically has moved on from crypto and NFTs and he's really moved into like news and that area actually does have a huge um, listenership. So there is a potential that he's actually just doing a good job now and actually building up an audience. 
So there, I mean, there is that as well. But when he was talking NFTs, crypto, hundred percent bought it. It was, it was very obvious. And I don't know if he bots his like engagement or anything, but I mean that at least is looking decent. Like he has tweets that like usually get a few hundred likes, so it's not. Well, even when, even when he was getting all the hate, spaces. I enjoyed his his spaces. To be honest, I, I was joining them and I thought he was doing a good job. I mean, he definitely had to go through a, a bit of pain because you know he was really feeding into the whole fear thing and putting out some stuff that wasn't true. Um, but yeah. We got Craig on stage. I don't know if you're just showing support or if you wanted to say hello. Yeah, no, absolutely. GM wanted to just say hello, check in, and I was just going to say on, on Mario's uh, Twitter spaces, I, you know, I like the fact that he has opposing views. Sometimes it can feel troll wherever anybody stands on any different thoughts, and we're surrounded by so many different people that it's nice to be neutral. Uh, but I really do enjoy uh, that spaces. And, yeah, why why not? It would be nice to see him not do that. But at the same time, uh, you know, what got him there uh, won't keep him there, meaning he has to bring good content and great guests. He's had on, I think, a few times Grant Cardone, which is I'm not really a big fan of his, but um, it gets a very interesting and combative space when he does. So that was my thoughts. You know, I agree. I've I've listened to a few of them. I enjoyed them, and he, I, man, I want to say that that he even had Elon Musk on, like, or in, yeah, I don't know, and some other big names. So I mean, that's always uh, a good thing. I don't know how we got on this topic, but so I swear I really enjoy. So sometimes I set a topic and I we talk about that thing, but the spaces I've enjoyed the most are just when I put a building during the bear and. We just talk. Things come up. It seems to be the, like the most um, compelling spaces that I've, I really enjoyed. And I'm really happy that Bella's here, Craig's here, Flourish. And we have Emily in the audience, just an absolute homie. Big support there. We have Victoria. If you want to come up, definitely wouldn't mind hearing from you. And STB Radio. Don't mess with STB Radio account. It looks like a scam. Look at that shady looking account down there. Who else we got? We got, um, we got flygearing.eth. Looks like they're... Big on ENS and potentially recycling. You gotta love recycling. And who else we got down there? We got Panic. He's an alien. That's spooky. Looks like he's a quality host though, so you'll have to see that. Anyway, Flores, what are you working on? What are you, what are you thinking about? I got a few things that I've been thinking about that I'll bring up, but I wanted to hear from you. And then Bella, if you have some... Th- Sorry, I rugged myself there. Yeah, but- I mean, as of right... Oh, wait. Yeah, there's a slight, I don't know, that that was just me. There's a slight rug, so I didn't know if I was, like, should have talked or not. But um, right now, I think, or actually, I guess, like, after this space, I'm going to work on doing some short-form content because I want to start just putting that out, like, literally everywhere. Um, talked about it a lot. I mean, most people are well aware that short-form content is probably, like, the best free way to, like, promo anything. So I just want to, like, go back with the episode that I did with Eclipse and just break down like any funny moments or like inspiring moments. Cause there's probably a lot. I think something I noticed um, when interviewing that I have to get better at is actually listening to what they're saying because there's so much happening. Like we have a group chat where we were talking while the interview was happening, um, which that was like one thing. And then I had like, uh, like music up and ready 
ready for like our next segment. So there was like so much happening while I, like during that interview that I like almost forgot to listen to our guest in the first place. So just some feedback for myself there, but I got, got to get better at that. But the goal today should be to make just some short form content. Yeah, that's a good point. You definitely got to focus. So often on my spaces, I'll check my DMs like halfway through and there's a bunch of things that I missed and I probably should have read it. So like it's a balance of just having the DMs open and not actually respond to anything unless it's urgent. So that's something that I've, I've found helps. It's like you got to be in the moment. It's like you're playing a sport is how I look at it. And notes, bro. Like if you're not taking notes during the space, you're fucked. That's just how I do it because like what what is a compelling part of a podcaster space is like actually listening and like they may say something that caught your interest off the very like the first thing they said and then eight minutes later they finish their their thing and then like there's no way if you don't take notes you can go back and reference that first thing some people probably can because they're geniuses or have that photographic memory and maybe you're one of them but if you're like the rest of the 99 percent of people like notes by the way i've been using that one that nft got recommended that um, mem.ai and I, i've actually am really enjoying it um but bella like what are you working on what's going on what are your thoughts uh yeah no i was curious too. like flourish how do you find guests to interview or like go deeper into topics to learn because that that's something that i want to do more is just topics that i'm interested in or if there's you know others or experts that have deep knowledge in that space just work to have a conversation and and share that um knowledge and value so yeah how do you go about finding um the guests that you typically interview and everything so we actually put i mean we're all kind of trying to find guests at the same time we actually put like one person on the task but we sort of all have people in mind that we want to get so for the start i mean we're trying to like build our way up i want to bring on and it just makes sense at the start you bring on like underrated guests because I mean, you're, you're just starting, so you can't really pull out like the crazy like Gary V cards and like all that. So I think a big thing that we're going to try to do is just pull on people who usually never, like I don't want to say never get invited on a podcast, but like I would love to hear like Eclipse, our first guest, right? His engagement's insane. He's built an awesome space. He pulls in like 400 people and I just follow him. I followed him for months. So I just hit him up and I was like, yo, do you want to do this? And he said he'd like, you know, he'd be honored or whatever. And he came on and that was like a great episode. So for future, um, we actually don't even care who we bring on. Like it can be anybody. Like we're talking about like mindfulness people, people, you know, it, it could be anything. Fitness, just somebody who's an expert in, in something. So for the start, we're really just trying to bring on people that we don't really hear talk often. Um, one of my favorite podcasts that I watched was actually a guy who it wasn't Alex Ramosi, It wasn't Gary V. It was a guy who made content for them. So again, somebody you would like never expect to really get a voice and who just works at VaynerMedia who works for like for Alex Ramosi, And like he, he just had some amazing insights. So uh, to answer that question, I guess from the beginning, we're just sort of reaching out to the, like pretty much just staying on Twitter at this point, just people that we, like that we already follow that would sort of i don't want to say jump at the chance to hop on a podcast but like it, it, it is a pretty cool thing to be able to like like talk about like you know your experience and what you're doing so and at the beginning it's sort of just reaching out through dms again like if we have that built up i mean we have uh, ivy on our team and he's uh pretty good at like networking with people so he'll like sort of ease his way into inviting people on the podcast but um, long term, too, we, we do eventually want to bring on like some crazy guests. So 
I think some alpha here, which um, hopefully works, is being in somebody's paid group, I think is huge. Uh, I think NFT God, Chris, he went on your podcast even like way prior to the 1% club. But even with like, I want to bring on people like Dan Coe at some point, which would be like huge because he's huge on YouTube and actually like everywhere. And I'm in his paid group. It's like 27 a month or something. And I'm hoping through just being able to talk to him in that server, eventually I can sort of ease into a podcast because I'm already sort of like paying him in some way. So I think that could be huge too. I'm going to try to like leverage um, paid servers to bring on larger guests. But for the start, it really is just like making like pretty much just people we already follow and we want to hear from and I've talked to in the past. So that's, that's what season one is pretty much all about. I'll piggyback off that. And this is kind of more just to like solidify my own thoughts too. So I had on NFT God before I was even in the 1% and I recently had uh, PO one from the Nifty portal. And I really am nobody with no audience. So I would I would I disagree a little bit in the sense that like Flores, you could literally have on both those people very easily. Uh, I saw Pio do a space with someone the other day who also didn't really have an audience. So it seems like 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 Pio respects hustle. Like if you're actually there hustling and working and he views your goes to your profile and sees that, I think he there's a chance he does reply to you. I don't know exactly his filter, but that is something that I've noticed. And that would be a big one. Um, just be ready, be ready. And the other thing I say, I really like the point you made is like kind of like the lesser known names because that's actually like, here's the thing that I've noticed. Every time a big project has added somebody, they treat it. And you go to the profile and the person has like 75 followers, but their bio is like, I'm the owner of this blah 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 there's like this there's some very intriguing people who are on twitter that don't have large followings but their bios say what they do and they're just busy like they're actually just out there doing things which is one of the reasons that they haven't been able to build their thing so those people i've been looking them up on linkedin because a lot of those people actually live there more and it's actually a little bit easier to contact them but that is a whole side of things that's why i want like someone to like go in with me on a show so someone because like i can't like that is a weakness for me like i have the strategy but not necessarily the the applying the skill side and like i need someone to like build that side up with me we'll go um flourish and craig yeah i think it's kind of a weird back and forth between like having underrated because you obviously want i said this you want the big guests but there's so much value to be had in probably like all the people that you're missing because a lot of the same people get interviewed over and over again and something i was talking with uh last night in in the space um i think it was kaylin who came up on stage and we sort of got into this like convo about she brought up the guy who hosts um hot ones and how he's just like a good interviewer and we sort of got in this long convo just about um, just hosting and being a good interviewer in general, because a lot of guests on podcasts have probably been on podcasts before, but they're all the same things. And they ask the same questions, they get the same answers. And like, it's expected. Like if you watch 10 episodes of a podcast with the same, same guy, like it might just be the same podcast every time. So I think we just got into this really long combo about 
like being a good host. And I'm actually realizing all the podcasts I watch that I actually find entertaining. The interviewer is able to bring out like a side of the guests that you don't usually see. And I'll just quickly give an example. Like I watched something called the Your Mom's House podcast. If you haven't watched that, pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, but he's done two interviews I really liked. He did one with Andrew Tate, and then he did another one with Andrew Huberman. Um, and they're both pretty – like, Andrew Huberman is, like, a scientist, so, like, not that he – he has humor built into him, but, like, it's just not often you you see that. So he's just a funny host who hosts the Your Mom House podcast. So I just think being able to uh, be the best interviewer possible, like, that's pretty obvious to say, but I want to get better at it because I just don't want to be, like, this, bring on the same guests, ask the same questions, get the same response. So what I gained from that is if you want your child to be quote unquote successful, give them the name Andrew and that will give them a great shot at success. So that's helpful advice. But I also like your, your thing Now the only flip side of it is not flip side, but like a nuance is like, I go on Spotify, I search up like Alex Hermosi. I don't want to be and like, I search up that content because like, I want to hear like that kind of stuff. And if I went onto a podcast and it was about what he likes for supper and like, his dating experience like it would be like i would be kind of like oh well this isn't why i'm listening to this guy so there i guess there's like a balance that has to be had um craig yeah i was gonna say a couple things first great points that flourish brings up i think naturally by you doing this space chris you have a very unique personality highly intelligent i keep telling you you're a great writer you're going to norm, you're going to, in the universe, is going to bring you your co-host when that time is ready. I would say, one, two, I found my co-host for my podcast probably when we did our event here in Connecticut, uh, Define Art Conference, and he actually came as, as, a, as, a, as someone in the audience just to come and watch. We flew a bunch of people in from, from over the U.S., and we had a great conference. It was about art-based NFTs, how to build a collection. And when I met him, I was just like, there was, a, there was a synergy, and we're very different personalities, and we work off of each other really well. We're about maybe three or four episodes in, and there's a good trust. There's a good communication. And the other thing I think Flourish brought up is how you communicate with, say, an Andrew Tate or a scientist and being able to morph, but more importantly, being able to bring out the very best in your guests and challenge them without gaslighting them. So those are just a couple things I was thinking about. What a great point without gaslighting them. I like, wow. So I recently discovered, and like this is a little off topic. Um, sometimes I'll actually gaslight my girlfriend without even realize I'm doing it. And now I, I started to like call it out. Like, oh my God, I just gaslit you. And like, I think that could actually, you could actually do that on, especially I think, maybe even spaces more than if you were in like a straight up podcast environment, because in spaces, I feel like there's a little bit more of a, like, I, I don't know what the word is, maybe echo chamber or like pressure to be a certain way. I don't know. And you could actually potentially force that. So I really like that. I'm going to take a note of that because I think that's a really solid point. Um, Flourish and then Darius, which by the way, Darius, welcome to stage. Love that you're here. What's going on Flourish? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to reply to your point. I agree with you about, you know, you wouldn't just want to watch a whole podcast about, like, you know, Alex Hermosi, like, X thing, like, what he eats or whatever. Um, I think that's important to have, like, the main topic that you sort of want to, like, dance around because um, when we bring on a guest, like, we have segments um, 
we, we do it purposefully so we don't really have to, so we can sort of maintain the main topic because when we brought on Eclipse, it was like building an audience, building the space, building all this. So I think there does have to be that sort of uh, that main thing. And I think what's, what's great when I watch like um, Andrew Huberman on the Your Mom's House podcast, he just sprinkles science in all over. Like you just talk and he'll just be like, Oh yeah, that actually reminds me about like X thing. And it's just like the way, I mean, cause he's just that smart, but he can relate that to everything. So, and even on, on the, the, the Tate podcast, he was able to, he talks what he normally talks about Andrew Tate, but they're just able to like make him break character. It's really weird. It's, it's, it's funny because like, it's not often you see like hosts, that are able to like, I don't know. I feel like most people are very serious with him, but they were just able to sort of like play into his bit a lot, which is new. So it's like they stayed around what he usually talks about. They were just able to, to, I guess, I think the best way I can say this, because I have a quote here is like, as a host, you are not the content, but your goal is to bring the good content out of your guest. I think that's an excellent point and literally why you were they're speaking of exactly kind of what I was thinking. So I'm glad you you ended on that note. Like I, I feel the best about my spaces and listening back, back is when I'm centered as a moderator and like the guest is to show because like, I personally feel like I'm fairly monotone, like I'm, I can like analyze information, but I'm not I don't feel that interest in myself. But I feel like there's a lot of people who have just really like they're like if you had someone like um like when i had like Pio on the show like he has a good point of view people want to listen to what he has to say so it's like he is the show in that situation and i, I really enjoy doing those those types of shows when you have particularly even a panel like three or four people like the um the after part the nfp god i feel like those are really great shows i enjoy doing those we're more of a position of a moderator and that is an environment that i think personally i could thrive in i really enjoy those um bella what's up was gonna bounce off what flourish said earlier um so i remember watching this i forget what youtube channel it was but they had like one of the vlog editors from vayner or, or it may have even been the same one you mentioned but i remember watching that whole video and they they walked through the process where like like how many emails he sent to get into the role his day-to-day and i mean it was a super random youtube video i watched but i actually remember like pulling out gems that he said that like have helped me in just different aspects of my life so i totally agree i think those people were super um underrated and refreshing content to bring on um podcasts and everything well it sounds like we have to start hitting up some vayner employees and like i think we do i think we do even even ex Vayner employees that there's this there's a gentleman I've been fairly friendly with. He launched I don't know if you've seen their project, uh, Chippies. Let me see if I can. Oh man, I can't think of it. Anyway, I'm gonna do some little dig in here because that could be somewhat interesting to get into the uh, into our ecosystem. But anyway, moving on I suppose. So okay, <clears throat> here's another so crazy thing. I was listening to the Nifty Morning Show this morning, and surprisingly, aka not surprisingly, they barely talked about NFTs and crypto. The topic was AI, which seems to be like like people not, people are legitimately passionate about AI right now. Like it is a passion point. As soon as you bring it up, 
that that is your conversation for the rest of the day because it's like brings up so much uh, emotion in people so it's an interesting thing but when you hear it time and time again and get a little old i'm definitely empathetic to that but the reason i brought this up is because i'm trying to find some different applications for it to actually start using it so just for fun today because i i do want to start making like i'm having fomo on shorts i'm sure you are too flourish like i enjoy writing writing is i like i i I enjoy when I'm typer like when I'm typing, I feel like I'm playing the piano. I get focused, my fingers are going, I'm feeling good. It's like it's it's honestly it's like it feels like meditation or it's very like parathetic or whatever that word is. I don't have to look that up. It's meditative, but anyway. Um so I enjoy that. So that is where my a lot of my content goes. So that's why tweets are natural for me. Um the blog, the newsletter makes sense. But the shorts, so how do you how does a writer get on shorts you know what i'm saying and it's like well you might have to get aside your comfort zone a little bit which is fair and like i've been making tiktoks for years i'm not camera shy i can speak but when the content doesn't speak to you that's when it's really hard to be consistent and, and say discipline which is what i've done like i've created content around you know things i'm into at that time it's all over the place but it, like i get bored because i'm not like i don't really love it but i've made like content i'm making now i've been making that for 10 years like 10 years my first podcast was literally about basically the same things we're talking about now which was 10 years ago so like this content is easy for me to, to be disciplined and consistent with which is important so when we're talking like youtube shorts tiktok shorts like i recently got cap cut but i'm like having this existential crisis of like okay if i'm gonna do it this time i need to find like truly the content that speaks to me that i can be consistent on and it's actually going to be better content anyway but then there's the dilemma of like the niches, like one thing that I, I enjoy writing about and, and teaching people on. So actually one of my friends hit me up. They want me to help them build their social profiles. Like how do I build in a way that can be engaging? And like, I enjoy that stuff, but is like, I see on TikTok a lot of content about how to grow on TikTok. I mean, fair enough. YouTube shorts, I haven't necessarily seen a lot of that stuff, but I haven't spent much time in that ecosystem. So it's, it's like, what is the actual audience to create content on tiktok about twitter like it's probably fairly small so like you got to like move that lens out to be a little bit wider and it's like okay content creation is something that i enjoy but i'm really only doing it on my newsletter and tiktok and twitter so like am i do i have a right do i have any credibility on any other platform to speak on these things like probably not unless you are constantly referencing the twitter thing which i might do like post screenshots of like when we do LF grow and there's like 400 people in the audience, like you can kind of use that as social proof. So that could be a strategy. So it's kind of having this, this thing, this credibility thing, like how do you find your voice on multiple platforms when you haven't spent the time? Flourish, what are your thoughts? I'm not going to lie. When it comes to short form, I feel like you don't need much. Like I don't say you don't need credibility per se, but like people in shorts are not like, if I watch an Alex Hermosi short, there are some people that are like not making fun of him, but like the people in shorts are not, I mean, I'm going to use the hell out of them. Don't get me wrong, but the audience is so weird on shorts. It's really hard to explain. If you go to his YouTube, there are people praising him and I'm probably one of them. Like I'll probably praise him like every video, but I just think like at least for shorts, they're so fast. I mean, it sort of depends on what you're talking about. If you wanted to like, if you wanted to start off a short form video by saying, you know, I'm Chris, I've gotten you know, 400 people in a space like that could work and that could be a good hook. But I think like, honestly, you're scrolling so fast. I just feel like it doesn't, 
it almost doesn't matter what you're talking about. Like I have written down here um, to like, if you're on Twitter and you're trying to find a way to do short form content, one, which I've never done before. Um, I've seen people like green screen tweets um, and not actually green screen themselves. I mean, like they'll pretty much put up a transparent image of the tweet. Like I can't really describe it. And they'll put like, you know, a Lambo driving in the background. If it's like a tweet about like making money or something, I've seen that on like Instagram reels before. But the other thing I have is just turn your tweets into just like you saying it on a short form video, like the amount of like videos that I see on my page that are seriously just somebody in front of a camera trying to inspire you with their words. Most of my content, I could probably just like turn on a camera and like convert that into some sort of video. So I feel like that's super underrated. Just trying to build that just around your face and just turning your tweets into short form content where you just speak. Yeah. So here's the thing. This is, I, this is so funny. And like, just you simplifying it made me think of this. It's like the advice I've given so many people is don't fall into analysis paralysis, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. It's like action breed action. It's like I tweeted that literally yesterday. Then here I am just like, putting it off, putting it off. But I'm also doing it because like, I want to make sure that I put myself in a position to have success. And it, so the other thing is like, I, um, I was doing uh, TikToks at a point where I was literally just screenshotting tweets and making a face, like reacting to it. And then my face would disappear. And some of them did well. Like for me, well, it was like, I got 800 to 3000 views, which I was like pretty pumped with my, best one it was just like i like a board ape sold for like 0.75 i screenshot it and just like commented on how that can happen and it got like i think it's over 10,000 views now so i think it's a good point to just maybe just not overthink it so much but i really do want to like dive into it like i, I really want to stay consistent across like three different niches i think that's the key because so there's like i do i do know what you mean when you say that like it's so fast you're seeing a lot of stuff um, the example I can kind of resonate with is like sometimes like I like to find like aspiring rappers and DJs on on social on TikTok. So I'll go and I click their profile, and if I see that they've actually have been doing this for a while and they've been consistent, I'll hit follow. But if it's kind of a one-off, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to follow this person. So I do see your point that I think you're right in the sense that you could have videos that get a lot of views if you're just coming with the content. But I think it's similar to Twitter. It's like if you're being consistent and posting within your kind of range over a period of time, like you're going to get a more of a sticky audience of people actually following you versus just hitting the like button because I have a lot more likes than I do followers. And that's normal. I get that's normal. But like there's definitely a ratio that you'd want to probably like I guarantee you if you looked it up, there's some kind of ratio of like your likes to follow because like people might you might have a viral video that goes off, but people don't follow. You don't retain anyone because it's like so far left field. Uh, I'll respond to that just because I had, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I sort of had this inspirational account where I would just repost. It wasn't even me. It was just clips of, you know, inspiring words basically. And yeah, I mean the, the view to even just the view to like ratio, it's like insane. I had one video go, it was insanely like it was an Aiden Ross video. Um, and it was right around the time, I guess he spoke with Tate. So all the comments were pretty much debate about that. And they were like, Oh, he never met Tate at this point. So it sort of turned to this whole thing. That's probably even why it got big. But 
that video probably got like a hundred thousand likes or something and it got like way more views i'd say like two million or something it was like not the, the ratio is not there and if you go to reels too to talk about the the follower to view ratio there um i posted an impulsive reel i don't know what logan paul was saying i don't know what guest he had on but i just uploaded that reel it got to maybe a million views and that's the only reel i've ever had get like that big and it probably got like 30,000. I don't even know how many likes it had, but it basically resulted in probably like 30 followers, which was like crazy. So it kind of depends on the platform, but yeah, the, the, the ratio of people converting from one thing to like a follower is, is not good, at least on, on reels from my experience. So I don't really know where I was going with that, but that's just, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it, it ties in the whole thing. So I think there's a sauce. So here's the thing. I used to work in cell phones. That was my job. I sold phones. Now, if I were to set up an account, an account like Twitter, TikTok, about cell phones, and I'm working in it, and I'm passionate about it, like that's the sauce. Like you're set up so well, and I'm trying to think, how can you do that? Like in your life, where like your whole like you're doing the thing you actually love day in and day out, and like that is so, and it ties into as well. When I was doing my Amazon reselling, like that is what I was doing for my job. Like I was reselling books on Amazon. And I was making reels and doing all these things. And like, I had a reel that got like 6,000 views, which really isn't that much, but I had a ton of followers and a ton of engagement and people were going on my YouTube from there because it was like, I was teaching this thing that was very niche, right? And I think that it's almost the opposite of what you were doing where it was just like, it, it was just like, like a re, like a well thought of repost. But I think if you were consistent finding that kind of, if you were consistent with finding that quality of, trigger like whatever that that sauce was it could work as well but i'm like i'm i'm really trying to do a deep dive of like it's really about that authentic thing like the reason the self like if, if if you were called like the cell phone guy and you knew everything about cell phones and you were creating content like if, if anyone ever had a question about cell phones like you're the guy like that is who i am in my real life if anyone has any questions about cell phones they come to me right like if, if i were to start with like a cell phone repair shop i would probably do extremely well because i already have a reputation here for that which is like very random but that's i think that's i think that's the sauce like right so it's like how do we turn what we're creating content about to be even more genuine and authentic to ourselves and then it's easy flourish i think it does have to be built around like i'd imagine your face right like you actually making content because from an uploading a clips point of view i mean these clips were sort of like all over like one would do well the next would get 500 and i know on like on short form that's probably pretty normal to have like a stagnant up and down but there are for sure people that i follow who i know have like an active audience and it sort of just goes back to quality like you just want quality over quantity because you know you could have like a hundred thousand followers but the views aren't matching up and that's literally what was happening to me on all of these accounts basically so when i look at these accounts that show their face and i'm following them and every time i see their stuff i like it and i'm like reassured glad i followed them it's literally just because it's somebody sitting in front of a camera and again i'm talking you know more inspirational content here and i have a few examples i don't even know their names but i have people i followed for a long time and i just think they get great views and great engagement just because people like them and not really again a clip 
a clip is just a clip. Like they don't like me. They just like the one clip that they watched. So they might not like the next one because it's not even, it's not even the same. Okay. So just, with yeah. that being said, my guy, do you have any plans of going docs PFP? Like, is that a thought you're having Maybe. at all? Uh, honestly, a little, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never had an issue with doxing. Uh, when we wanted to do this podcast too, I was sort of like, we were debating just going on a zoom call. Right. And like, if the other guests didn't want to do it, we would just do something there. But we got into this idea of like, we take like the animation way because it might be a little more like exciting. It could be something that people don't often see. So after you did it, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was like, that is kind of a power move. I think it's a, it's a much better long-term play. So I don't know when I would do it. I think it would be cool to take the, the Frank route and just like hype it up at some point, but I don't know. I, I want to, I just don't know when. If you do, I would definitely recommend keeping that same red background and just basically maybe even wearing the same clothes, bro. Like literally get that outfit exactly as it is. Same like um, angle. Take that shot. Bro, you could even paint your face red. That might be a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be weird for people to see. I don't want people to think I'm red. But if I got this fit, I actually probably could just... What is it? I guess it's like a flannel, and that's yeah, it. And you like, could definitely could, find... like You could even put the glasses on. like And, like this. and a lollipop? I mean, yeah. come on. I could do that. Yo, that's actually kind of fire. And if you meant that and you go hex, I mean, damn... Dude, that's that would be clean. I'm actually getting excited right now. I'd actually, yeah, I'd I'd have mad FOMO. Like I actually wouldn't. Um, what's Chris, I want? what what what's going Chris, on? what got you to like um, I guess docs recently? Like, so, what was your thought process with it? My thing is, I've I have I've been really struggling with this whole crypto Web three NFT thing, in in terms of like actually trying to like build an audience long term like i i just don't know where this all goes and the thing is i can control like like let's just say for whatever reason the nft web3 like there's like a real crash like we all call this a bear but like there could be a real crash like there was a time where like the banks almost collapsed and like stocks went from 200 dollars to like eight you know what i'm saying like board ape could go from 100 ETH to five like that could happen it i like it, it might not but it could like there's global economics that could make things bad. Chances low, but the thing is, is like at that time, like the NFT community might go from, let's call it 7,000 people actively to like literally maybe 2,000 people or 1,000 people or people just don't care. Like we could get to a place where people just don't care anymore. Like it's like this thing has drawn on quote unquote mass adoption didn't happen after three years and it's just like, People get bored and they leave. And it's like you've built your whole brand in this thing that just slowly dies. So I was like, okay, what's the con of going Doc's photo? I can still be in the community. People don't hate on it. Like it's not like it's not like a taboo thing to do. If anything, it's actually just a good thing because now you probably have a better shot of actually getting sponsors. Um, people want to work with people they can trust, know and like, and it's easier to trust, know and like someone if you can actually see their face. So like, I just think it's a smart move strategically if you plan on building an audience long-term. So that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, like 
in my business, I'm always thinking about like what could fuck me down the road. Like I'm trying to think down the road. And I think building your whole brand around a PFP could be that thing, especially if you don't actually are the founder. Like if I were to, if I was this the founder of Fang Gang, I probably would use the Fang Gang thing. But like, who's to say that like some report comes out that these guys did these horrible crimes 10 years ago and like the whole project gets tarnished and like people look at Fang Gang as like a symbol of racism. And I, I've just built my whole brand around it. So it's from a point of control, future proofing and being able to scale across multiple platforms. Like, I just don't think a Fang Gang hits on Instagram. Like, I think if you see that on Instagram, it doesn't hit the same way as it does on Twitter. I think if you see that, if you're scrolling through a podcast and you see the Fang Gang, it might not hit as hard. So, I don't know. I just think it's a, it's from, a like, a business perspective long-term. Not that I'm even necessarily wanting to create a business. I just, like, it feels like I, I just don't want to close those potential doors. If that makes any sense, Bella. Yeah, no, that, that made complete, complete sense. And I agree with a lot of those points with like, you know, you, you're kind of relying on the branding of another project or another, another founder in a crazy volatile space. So yeah, for sure. Going on Flourish. I wanted to ask you if you've been still doing LinkedIn, because I'm not going to lie. I have not. I've noticed, bro. Disappointing. I'm on there every day, bro. I'm hustling on LinkedIn. Now, I don't don't put in that much effort. I will be honest. I'm not doing reply guy, whatever. But I'm making a few posts. I'm 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 making my own posts. I'm sharing the groups. Like I'm I'm trying to build it up because I want to get on that news that newsletter hustle. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm. It seems like a like a good opportunity, but it's 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 a little bit of a slow grind. But like you know, the ROI I think is there. I think I'm at like 40 connections so far had a few dms like i don't know i'm there i'm doxxed it's fine i can see why you're not doing it though because it's it, like it's it is a hustle like i you got a lot going on yeah 38 followers 27 connections i mean we're a weekend let's go um let me see here just for time bro we got 10 minutes what's up flourish I think that's also when I first sort of started getting the docs mindset. Like I never really planned to in the back of my head, but once I got to LinkedIn, my first question that I asked TM was LinkedIn literally says you have to put a picture of yourself. And I've seen obviously people, Frank, whoever, who were on LinkedIn and they just have, you know, their NFT. So that's when I first started to think, wow, if I have to branch out to other platforms, especially ones that are like business oriented. Am I even like able to, I guess you can, because I've had my PFP the same for a long time. And there are people who also have it. I also realized that the LinkedIn audience from what I saw, I went to Frank's page. I don't think they're fond of, I don't know if it was, I don't know what types of people were replying, but Frank must've tweeted out GM, but on LinkedIn. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty funny. And I went to the comments and people were like, don't stop. They were like, no, leave this on Twitter. They were like, we do not want this. So I'm never going to say that. I'm never going to say GM on LinkedIn. I'm just going to say that. Yo, that is actually super insightful. I'm glad um, you told me that. Not that I planned on doing it for say, but it's just good kind of information to have. I'm not going to lie. If you, hit, if you hit who's active right now on LinkedIn, oh I, feel my. Like, I feel like you should just be banned like, yeah. immediately. 
little I've been a little lazy on, on LinkedIn. I, I won't lie. I'm a little I'm a, kind of a hypocrite because I did, didn't make a post for a day and I was like, hmm, I need to make something on LinkedIn, but I'm feeling like, you know, a little spicy right now. So I went to chat GD chat chat GBT and I typed in create a LinkedIn post about Brandon and I hit that young hot copy paste put that out there with some nice hashtags, not too many, not too few, and posted that. So that's the first time I've ever done that. And to be honest, I feel kind of guilty about it. I will say I read the article and I actually agreed with it all. And it's stuff that I write about all the time. So it's kind of like, okay, this is basically my message anyway. I definitely won't copy paste chat GBT things in my newsletter or my medium posts or any results. But on LinkedIn, just trying to stay a little bit relevant, just know it's chat GBT. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, it might be a strategy you want to implement. It's I still need to, I still need to play around with chat GPT a little more. It is it it is kind of a what's it called tongue twister sometimes. But yeah, I, I need to play around with that more. So yeah, it's fun for one, and it can really help you. So I what I do use it for hundred percent is for making more punchy headlines, rewriting failed tweets. It's like, I use that all the time for those two things. And I just tried this, I'm gonna try this, but I, I, I said, create a script on the topic of building strategy for personal branding for TikTok. And it came up with this script. So I'm gonna read the script. I mean, I'm gonna edit it. There's things I don't like about it, but like it came up pretty good. Like it starts off like, hey, TikTok, Hey, TikTok fam, we're talking about building strategy for personal branding. First things first, you want to define a personal brand. What are your values, strengths? What sets you apart from, from the rest? So it actually was like kind of a banger. I kind of want to use it for, I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying. Gary Vee always talks about context and how, you know, when you're on LinkedIn, you want to not be saying GM, you want to be doing something else. So I definitely could see me either recycling content or putting it in the chat GPT and just having it spit out, you know, a more businessy type, like uh, saying, I guess, or phrase or image, whatever it may be. Uh, another thing I wanted to use it for, which we were trying to do last night, is shortening things or making it just, yeah, pretty much just making it short and sweet because we had uh, a newsletter for the podcast that we're going to be sending out weekly and it was just a lot of writing like too much and i don't know it probably spit out some super generic stupid thing to be fair so we have to like figure out what prompt we actually want to give chat gpt in the first place but we were trying to use that to basically take a bunch of information and just shorten it into you know like a paragraph so I don't even know if that ended up going well, but I think that's that's pretty cool that you can have it break down key points. Do you think as creators lean on chat, GBT, it could potentially make us lazy? I'm going to say, hmm, I'm trying to think about this. I feel like, no. Like from my point of view, I see it as just a tool i think that's what most people are use that, that's the word they're using as just like a tool there are definitely people i think who are just gonna go and use it for all their content but i'm not gonna lie i haven't used it as much as i thought i would have like when it first came out i was like oh this is great for twitter this is great for this 
And me personally, I don't feel like I've used it to like let me get lazy with it. So I kind of want to like sit with that question for a minute to get a better answer because I'm sure everybody doesn't have the same experience as me. But right now I'm literally just using it for like idea generation, quote generation, uh, analogies. That's huge. I think that's so cool. I can feed it a quote and be like, give me an analogy for this. I think that's huge because analogies are my favorite thing lately. It's just the easiest way for me to actually internalize an idea. And I want to be using those in all my tweets and newsletters. So that's some alpha right there. Maybe those are like my few things I use it for at the moment. No, those are smart things. And I think if you combine it with what I've been using it for, it's like a bunch of different little ways that don't make you lazy to use it. And I, I don't think it'll make people lazy because I don't think they're going to be rewarded for being lazy. Like my LinkedIn article isn't special. Like it's not going to probably do that well. If you could just use chat GBT to pump out bangers, copy paste done maybe you kind of lose your creativity and like you kind of lose your 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 bit but i don't think that's going to happen i think it is a tool and i think that's probably the way it goes but like again who really knows i feel like it should probably if anything maybe make you work a little harder because if there's more content out there i think everybody will i've said this like they'll have a radar for chat gpt content because i agree if everybody's just spewing out crap it's easy to see the gold basically so i think if anything it's probably going to make me i don't want to say work a little bit harder but if there's more content in the mix i think it's going to be a lot easier to stand out if you actually put effort in and just don't copy paste from chat gpt strongly agree by the way i'm so pumped you're off today love to see it same here bro uh yeah so anyway emily did make a comment that she thinks I, I could potentially make content in and around how to get into NFTs in Web3, which I think would be relevant, but I don't think I would make consistent content on that because I'm not even necessarily sure people should get in NFTs in Web3 at scale yet because the chances of someone getting in and getting scammed are extremely high if you don't know what you're doing. And like security content is just boring, unfortunately. One of my uh, friends, his name's Mohammed. He saw what we were doing in NFT crypto land, joined without me knowing it, joined a Discord, got DM'd and got scammed immediately. Like this man was in crypto for literally 15 minutes and had already lost everything he had put in, which was like 400 bucks. He was pissed. But he also took the accountability on, on himself. But like the thing is like a lot of these scams we're so used to seeing, we take it for granted that somebody new isn't used to this kind of communication. So he joined a server and got DM'd instantly like, hey, this mint is happening. People are making a lot of money. Click this link. And like when you're FOMO and you're emotional, you're seeing all your buddies do really well, like you make poor decisions. Like he's trying to catch up to us. And um, yeah, he got wrecked. So like that's my one. I, I do make content about crypto web three, but it's typically more or less not necessarily around people getting involved, but like how the technology could matter in the future. So that's something that I could definitely see myself making content and around that topic but uh bella flourish i mean any any little topics you wanted to bring up before we call this a, a date i was just gonna respond to what you said there that's kind of scary too just trying to think about onboarding friends and immediately offboarding them and scaring them away from web3 forever because they get scammed within 10 minutes that is that's crazy and i i just think maybe it's because 
I always forget that people, not everybody has a radar for these types of things. Like not even just in Web3, I always wonder when I get like these scam emails and texts, like how people fall for that. But like people do, like it might be older people. They've never like experienced, you know, an email saying there's been a login with your bank. Like I get a text a lot from like random banks telling me that somebody has like logged in and I need to like access it. And I was just like, dude, I don't even have an account with your bank. I don't know what you're talking about. So obviously I'll just ignore it. But um, yeah, that is, that is a scary thing. Cause I hear a lot of people talking about onboarding, but I have not yet heard many stories of immediately offboarding. So that's alarming. Yeah. The struggle is very real. I mean, scams are everywhere, but like the thing is in crypto, it's like, there's just so much friction. Like even people like Anna Tiga who have been in the space for years getting scammed and like crypto punks. And like, it seems like every single board ape has been stolen at this point so i don't know it's a i would have to find my find my lane i guess you could say but yeah i think something that gary v says that i gotta think about is document not create what am i doing where am i having just document not create document not create i think that's kind of a a good thought a good thought process to get into but anyway this is stb radio soon i'm gonna have an outro intro song by crayons which is going to be incredible. So I'm super excited for that. It, the artwork's done. The track is done. It's being uploaded to Spotify. So if you were listening, you can have your whatever, Shazam or whatever they, they call that app to find your music. You can click that and boom, you'll find it. Anyway, this is STB Radio. We're live every day, 10 a.m. EST. I hope you enjoyed this. Stay well and keep crushing, friends.